but Mark chapter 10, and I'll pray for us, and then we'll, we'll jump right in, starting at verse 46. So, Father God, um, we just come before you humbled, or we just, we want your word to speak. God, I, I don't want the ideas of Blake Farley to overpower your word. I, I don't want any one story to stick out more than your word. God, I just pray that you'd speak to us as you always do through your Holy Spirit when we open your word. And Lord, I pray that you'd give each of us in this room the ability to know what you're telling us to do. And Lord, more importantly, you'd give us the courage and the power to fulfill what you've called us to do. God, you are good. You are gracious. You are merciful. Jesus, I love you. In your most heavenly name, amen. Well, uh, as a pastor, I pastor a small church in northwest Oklahoma. And and as a pastor, I, I read a whole bunch of different things because... Um, one, I'm reading theology, but two, I'm just reading widely because I'm always looking for the next great illustration. I, I want people to be able to take a biblical truth and have it enlightened to them in a brand new way. And I have this interesting task of having 30 minutes to communicate to you a truth that took me 20 hours to learn. And I have to do it in a way that you don't fall asleep while I talk about it. And so I'm always looking for these things. And uh, recently I came across this podcast that was talking about greyhound dog racing. And it just captured my attention. Um, I'm not much of a greyhound dog racing fan. And by that, I mean I've never seen a greyhound race in my life. Um, but evidently, it's like a really big deal in some parts of our country. And even some parts of our state are really into greyhound racing. And these trainers will take these dogs. And they spend thousands of dollars breeding them and preparing them and training them. And then they bring them to the racetrack. And then people from all around come, and they bet thousands of more dollars on the dog they think is going to win. And there's all this money involved, all this going in, just for, to watch these dogs race down a racetrack. And I was really interested to see how they got the dogs to actually run in a straight line, um, because every dog I've ever had never listens to me. I have a problem getting the thing to potty outside, much less run in a straight line for thousands of dollars. And so... Um, you know, I was interested because what they do is they actually, they have a fake rabbit, and some of the tracks will name their fake rabbit, but they have this fake rabbit, and they said it feels real if you were to pet it, it looks real to the eyes, and it even smells real to the nose, and what they do is they line the dogs up in the pens, and right before they release the dog to run, they release this fake mechanical rabbit just, just a few moments before the dogs go, and the rabbit's set up so that it moves just a little bit faster than the dogs are able to run. And so they open the gate, and the dogs see this rabbit, and they run with full speed, full might at this fake rabbit. And they chase, and they chase, and they chase, and then after they cross the start-finish line, the rabbit goes off the racetracks, and the dog goes, darn it, I missed it, and they live to race another day. But the reason I bring it up, and the reason it's kind of applicable to our life, is because of what happens when the rabbit doesn't work. When for whatever reason, the rabbit fails. They say that when the rabbit fails, if it doesn't go fast enough, or it has a mechanical problem, if the dogs are able to catch it, the first dog to it will bite into it with such force that the rabbit will literally explode in his mouth. And that dog, and all the other dogs in the race, will never race again. You can fool them once, but you can't fool them twice because they realize in that moment that they've been chasing after, straining after, and training for something they thought was fulfilling, but it wasn't real at all. It was fake. And as I read that, I heard that, uh, it sent chills down my spine because I realized that's the way I live my life so often. And, and if I could be honest, that's the way a lot of our world lives right now. 
We're chasing after so many things that we think are going to be fulfilling to us. Those of you who are graduating today, I'm so glad you're here. I had no idea that was happening. But you're going to be bombarded with the world telling you what is fulfilling and what matters and what you should chase after and what you should strain after. And, and for all of us in this room, we probably all have our fake rabbits. I mean, maybe for you it's, it's money. It's a dollar amount. If I could just get that, that dollar amount, then I would be fulfilled. For others of you, it might be pleasure. If I could just get to the bottom of one more bottle, if I could just sleep with one more person, then, then I would be fulfilled. Or maybe it's the idea of success or fame. If I could just get the corner office, if people would just know my name, then I would really be fulfilled. But what you find out when you're chasing the things the world says will fulfill you is you'll begin to find out it's a lot like that rabbit and it kind of moves just a little bit faster than you're able to ever catch it. Because you know what happens when you get that million dollars? You want two million dollars. When you get the corner office, you know what you want? You want the corner office at the business across the street. When you get to that guy or that girl that you always want, you get to the bottom of that bottle, what you find out is, is your appetite doesn't go away. It increases. You want more. Because we're chasing after something we can't even catch. And I think more sad than spending an entire life chasing after something that we think is fulfilling, but it's actually not, is when we actually catch that thing and we sink our teeth into it and we realize it's not fulfilling at all. It's fake. There's countless sad stories of people who had it all. They had all of the money. They had all of the fame. They had everything this world says is important. And yet as they bite their teeth into that, they realize they're just as empty as they were at the beginning. They're living like greyhounds. And one church, I'm here to tell you today that there is a better way to live. And I want you not to be like a greyhound, but I want you to be like a lion, chasing after that which is fulfilling and that which matters. And we find that here in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. We find a better way to live as we look at the miracle of Jesus healing a man named Bartimaeus. It says this in verse 46. Then they, speaking of the disciples, came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then I love this next part, verse 48. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I love that because so many of us have had these moments in our life, whether we go to Falls Creek or we hear a sermon that convicts us and we say, you're right, I want Jesus. He's the only thing that can cure me. He's the only thing that can fulfill me. He's the only thing that will fill this void in my heart. And that's where Bartimaeus is. Jesus, you're the only way. I'm going to be healed of this blindness. But then he gets rebuked by people, and that's where a lot of us stop. As soon as we face persecution, as soon as we face something that feels hard, as soon as somebody tells us that we're going the wrong direction and we should really be doing all the things of the world, then we kind of fall off and we quit chasing Jesus and we go right back to chasing the fake rabbit that is our life. But I love this. Bartimaeus is to the point of brokenness where he says, I've I've tried this world and there's nothing that is fulfilling in it, and so now I'm going to seek after Jesus. I mean, we all have to get to that point. We have to get to the point where we are not as greyhounds, but we are as lions. And this illustration really kind of all came together to me uh, a few months ago when I was uh, up really late at night. I couldn't sleep. It was like 2 in the morning. And uh, so I turned on Discovery Channel because when you can't sleep, you turn on Discovery to bore you to sleep. 
And uh, it, was, it was one of those, you know, those shows where it's like a live feed into the Serengeti. And uh, it, it was like a, a gaggle or a herd, I don't know what you call it, a whole bunch of gazelles. And then there was this Australian guy with a really soothing voice kind of giving the play-by-play. And uh, he says something along the lines of, little do the gazelles know that a hundred feet away lies a mighty, mighty lion. And that's probably the worst Australian voice you've ever heard. But stick with me, okay? Because you know what happens next. What happens next is this lion lurches from the bushes and the chase is on. And let's just be honest for a minute. How many of you like it when the gazelle gets away from the lion on these shows? Okay? How many of you like it when the lion catches the gazelle? Okay, keep your hands up. Church, look around. These are the sickos among us. We stay away from these people, all right? No, but the lion seeks after and he catches what he was biologically created to catch. It's not unattainable. It is attainable because he's been given the power to catch it. And when he catches it and he bites his teeth into it, it is fulfilling. It is meaningful. And this is what it's like to follow Jesus Christ and to live in the will of Jesus Christ. In fact, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, be a lion. That was so pathetic. I didn't say whisper it. Let's try again. I said, be a lion. That's much better. And, uh, you know, hey, while you're at it, why don't you encourage your neighbor and tell him you look like you've lost 10 pounds since the last time I saw you. It, uh, it doesn't even have to be true to be encouraging. Amen? But the lion finds out that there's only one thing that he was meant for that is fulfilling. And I think as we get to the greyhound we find that we can never truly be fulfilled as we live in that way. Um, even the best that this world has to offer kind of leaves us just a little bit empty still. Uh, I, went, I just actually came back. I flew in yesterday from my bachelor party in Galveston. I went to the beach, and like the beach is the pinnacle of what this world has to offer. Um, and I loved it. I had a great time. But even on Friday as I was sitting on the beach, I was like, you know, this thing isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Even this doesn't fully fulfill me because as I was sitting there, you know, I was feeling sand in places. Sand doesn't belong. I was tired. The sun was beating down on me. Um, and kind of just as like a side note, this is my ADHD coming out. But as you read the Bible, and I promise this is all going to come together. But as you read the Bible, um, you'll notice, especially in the Old Testament, that people, that their names have meanings. Like if you want to know more of like the plot of the story, you can search and see what their name actually means. And it kind of plays into the theme of the story. And I grew up as a church kid. So I remember one time when we found this out, all my friends were like, oh my gosh, what do our names mean? You know, we, we wanted to know. And so we went to the, the Google machine and we were typing in our names. And all my friends went first and they had awesome names. You know, their names went like courageous and chosen one. And, and Messiah, and then I get up and I type in Blake. What will Blake mean? Charming, winsome, handsome, I don't know. I type it in. My name literally means white or pale. <laughs> and uh, this past Friday, I was reminded of why my name means that. It's very prophetic because apparently I don't know how to put on sunscreen. And so this leg is fine, but this leg is as red as a lobster. And this morning, it felt like I was taking a shower in lava. And so that really has nothing to do with anything. I just wanted you to feel my pain. And to see that even at the pinnacle of what this earth has to offer, it's just not quite totally fulfilling. Yet what Jesus offers is what he would call fullness of joy for all of eternity. And that's what this man realizes. I'm striving after and I'm seeking after 
all that Jesus has to offer. I'm not seeking after the world. I'm seeking after the living word. And then I love this next part, verse 49. It says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. See, you never catch up to the fake rabbit. But when you seek after Jesus, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And as you turn to Jesus, you'll find that he's a lot closer than you ever could have imagined. He always answers him when we seek him. And it says this, keeps going. It says, so they called to the blind man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And then I love this, verse 51. Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And I love that because Jesus doesn't say, here's what you need to do for me. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? In other words, what do you want? What is your deepest desire? What is your deepest thing that would cause you the most fulfillment? And I love that Jesus says that because I think so often when we think about following Jesus, we think about all the things that we have to give up. That following Jesus is something I should do, but there's a lot of things in the world that I want to do. And so I'm just going to live life the way I want to live life. I'm going to have fun when I go to college. I'm going to have all of the fun that the world has to offer. And then when I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to give my life over to Jesus so that I get to go to heaven. Because that stuff, if I'm being honest, is really more fulfilling on this side of heaven. But I feel like I need Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how this works at all. You may think that stuff is fulfilling, but ultimate fulfillment is found in me. And this is really interesting. If you have time this week, you can go back and read the first story in Mark chapter 10. Because in the first story, a rich man comes to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus knows this man doesn't really actually want him. He's just wanting to live the way he can live here and just cut out the minimum thing so that he can still go to heaven. And so Jesus calls him out on his fake rabbit, what he's chasing. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then you need to give away all of your money and follow me and the bible says the man went away sad because he was rich he wanted to chase his money instead of jesus and then jesus says to his disciples he says he says it's so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of god it's so hard harder in fact for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of god and really what jesus the heart behind what jesus is saying there is it's hard for any of us to enter the kingdom of god because we've all got our fake rabbits that we're chasing in this world And then, after saying this, the the disciples say, well, how can anybody be saved then? And then Jesus says, well, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And, of course, that's why Jesus came, so that we might be saved, only based upon what he does for us. And then my man Peter pipes up. And I love Peter, because I can relate to Peter. I can't relate to the Apostle Paul. You know, that guy's just, like, too amazing for me to relate to. I can't relate to the Apostle John. That guy's got it all figured out. But I can relate to Peter. Because Peter does something amazing in one verse, and in the very next verse, a whole bunch of stupid just falls out of his mouth. And, you know, I'm, you know how many of you guys have a friend where every time they open their mouth, you're just kind of like, oh, I wonder what they're going to say. You know, because it could be good or it could not be so good. You know, sometimes people, their mouths run faster than their minds. And uh, this is actually who I am. I, I, I say things I shouldn't say all the time. Um, in fact, I remember one of the very first dates I took my fiance Taylor on. Uh, I, I, I was picking her up, and I got out of my truck, and I was opening the door for her, and as she walked out the door, I thought to myself, wow, she looks really pretty tonight. I'm going to compliment her. And so I was like trying to you know, think of my compliment in my mind, and as she walked up to my truck, I had a compliment in my mind, but something totally different came out of my mouth. As I opened the door, I said, get in this big truck, you big woman, <laughs> which is not the right thing to say, <laughs> ever. 
never okay to say that. And it was just like, what just came out of my mouth? And we see this with Peter all the time. And after Jesus says, only I can save you, Peter says this. He says, yeah, we've left everything to follow you. Like, we're way better than that rich guy. We've left it all. And then I love Jesus' response. Because, again, he's saying that true fulfillment is found in me. Your deepest desires are found in me. You're not giving anything up to follow me. You're gaining everything when you decide to follow me. And he says this, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive, look at this, a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children's fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. It is good to chase after the holiness of God. It is good to follow Jesus Christ. Um, I had a lady a couple months ago uh, who was homeless that came to my church to get some assistance. And this lady was lost. I mean, spiritually lost, but also just just lost. She had uh, hitchhiked from New York City to California and then to the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And they dropped her off in a town 10 miles from where I was. But for whatever reason, she decided to walk to my church 10 miles away. And uh, she walked to my church and, and knocked on the door. And it's kind of funny, because I'm young, nobody thinks I'm the senior pastor. So she said, yes, are you the assistant? And I said, no, ma'am, I'm, I'm the senior pastor here. And then she grabbed my arm and she said, oh, my goodness, you must have the most amazing plastic surgeon. <laughs> Which I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not, but, you know, I'm going to take it. And, uh, you know, this lady then, just to show you how lost she was, she said, do you guys have a subway around here? And she wasn't talking about the sandwich place. And I was like, lady, you're in northwest Oklahoma. We have nothing but 27 Mexican restaurants and one Walmart. That's all we got here. And uh, so I told her I'd buy her a meal and and get her a a hotel to stay for the night. And uh, so as I got her the meal and we're driving to the hotel, she begins to just pour out her story to me. And uh, she had all of this bitterness just locked away in her heart. She told me that when she was 13 years old, her dad left her family. And shortly after that, there was a time where her mom went crazy and was literally chasing her around the house with scissors, calling her worthless. And she said, if I catch you, I'm going to cut your heart out. Serious things for a kid to have to endure. And so she eventually ran away. And she's just telling me all this without me even asking. It's just this bitterness is just overflowing out of her heart. And she said, you know, and they've been trying to reach out to me for 40 years. I don't know if they're alive anymore because it's been about 20 years since I've heard anything from them. But they would reach out to me all the time. And I always ignored them. And people always told me I need to forgive them, and you're a pastor, so I know what you're going to tell me. You're going to tell me I should forgive them because God forgave me. But God would understand this one because of what they did to me. I will never forgive them. And I just wanted to hug this lady and say, sweetheart, I don't want you to forgive them for their sake. They're not even alive anymore. I don't even really want you to forgive them for the sake of God. The reason I want you to forgive them is because the bitterness is killing you. It's eating you alive. You're chasing a fake rabbit. You think that by withholding forgiveness, eventually you'll get the vengeance that you've always wanted, but you're never going to catch it. And who it's hurting? It's hurting you. It's wrecked your life. And your thing may not be forgiveness. Your thing may be an addiction. Your thing may be a success. I don't know what your thing is. You probably know what you often chase instead of chasing God. 
But I'm telling you right now, if you chase that thing, you will not find fulfillment. You may find fulfillment in the momentary moment, but ultimately it leads to destruction. The way to true fulfillment is to follow Jesus Christ. And look, I'm not here today to, to bring condemnation. This is an invitation. I'm inviting you into something better. I'm not here to make anybody feel bad because I so often find myself chasing the greyhound. And the reason is this. You and I on our own, we are spiritually blind. We, we can't follow Jesus because we are sinners. In fact, the Bible would say that you're not a sinner because you sin, but you sin because you are a sinner. It's a big difference. At your core, you've been wrecked by sin, and so your natural desire is to go after the things of the world and not the word. And, and I love as we read along, we find the cure to that spiritual blindness because it says this at the end of verse 51. It says, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see And I pray that would be all of your prayers in here this morning. And we see here Jesus is actually physically healing this man of blindness. But we see often in scripture, he shows us physically what he's doing spiritually for us now. And he can spiritually heal you of the blindness within you. And how? Look at this, verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Jesus came and he died and he paid my debt so that simply through faith in him, I could share in his righteousness, that I can be made right with the God of this universe, and my eyes are opened. My eyes are open. I, I can now see what I truly should desire. I can now see where true fulfillment lies. And I love this. Look how Jesus ends this. He says, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You see, I'm not calling any of you to follow Jesus so that Jesus will love you. I'm saying that once you find the love of Jesus, you can't help but to want to follow Jesus. Because your eyes have been opened to his goodness. My, my favorite restaurant in the entire world is a steakhouse uh, in Oklahoma City called Mahogany's. And um, the place is delicious. I can only afford to eat there once a year because it empties my wallet every time I go. But I can see why. Because it is just from beginning to end, it is absolutely delicious. They've got this bread. I mean, if you ever can go, you should definitely go. Because I don't know how they do it, but their bread is literally crunchy on the outside but it's like moist and doughy on the inside. It's like you're eating loaves of bread and then the steak shows up and you're like, I don't even have room for this, but who cares? I'm doing it anyways, you know? And, and you bite into that steak and you don't even have to use a knife. You just cut it with your fork. It's buttery goodness just in your mouth. I'm making you guys hungry, aren't I? Yeah, lunch is coming up pretty soon, I promise. But I have a problem now. See, because now that I've had that $100 steak, when I go to Golden Corral, that steak doesn't do it for me anymore. I don't like that. Why? Because I've tasted what is truly good. It's the same when you follow Jesus. I'm telling you that if you will live as a lion, you will see true fulfillment in a way you've never seen it before. And you won't even want that stuff anymore. Your flesh will, your old man will, but you will fight tooth and nail to kill that because you know true fulfillment is found in Jesus Christ. So I would just encourage and invite all of you to begin to walk today, not as greyhounds, but as lions as we close. And I promise you won't regret it. I mean, God will take you places you could never imagine. It it was two years ago, three years ago now, where I really sat down in my room. I was at the bottom of the barrel. I was working in an oil field job. I lost the job. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I just said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And he's taken me places I never would have taken myself. I mean, for instance, I almost failed speech class in high school. But now here I am at Elk City at one church preaching the gospel. And it's not because I'm good, it's because Jesus is good. And I promise if you seek after him through his power, you will find that. I think we we really understand really well that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, 
I think if you're a Christian, you get that. He died on the cross so you wouldn't have to face the wrath of God yourself. I think we even get, in, in, in church today, we even get that Jesus came to save us from the presence of our sin. That one day when we die, one day when he comes back, there will be no more cancer, there will be no more sin, there will be no more sickness, because we will be taken away from the presence of sin. But I want, what I want you to understand is he also died so that you might have power over sin. That you can't live the lion life on your own, but he will empower you to live it, and he will take you places that you never thought you could go on your own. So let's pray, church. Father God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. And uh, Lord, I, I just pray that you would, you would show them the fake rabbits that they're, ta- they're chasing. God, I pray for those that have never followed you. They've never had their eyes open. They, they don't see how it could be fulfilling. I pray that you would open their eyes and with faith they could believe that you are who you say you are and you did what you said you did. And for my fellow Christians in the room, Lord, I pray that you continue to show us our sins so that we may defeat them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Eyes closed, head bowed. Here in just a moment, um, I'm going to ask Jared to come up and uh, close us in prayer. But right now, what I want you to do is just take about 20 seconds to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? As you guys are praying, I just want you to hear God's word. Um, it was brought to my heart as Blake was preaching. I just want to just go over one verse here, Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to acquire in his temple. My question to you guys is, well, what are you seeking after this morning? What's the one thing right now, if you were to be completely honest with yourself, before God, because God already knows. It's not like you can fool him. Like, what's the one thing you're seeking after? My prayer is that we would just spend just a second and just think about that. Let God maybe search our hearts to know us and to see what that one thing is. Father, we come before you now. As sinners, before a holy God. And I pray that that, Lord, we would not settle in our sin, Father, but that we would confess it before you. God, that we would repent it before you. Maybe that one thing is not you right now, Jesus. I pray that we would make it you. God, that we would repent of our sin, that we would turn our backs on it, and that we would choose you. God, that we would simply, as this verse reminds us, gaze upon your beauty. God, You're so much more beautiful than anything this world has to offer. Forgive us for picking the world over you so many times. I pray that as we go throughout this week, Father, that our eyes would stay fixed on you, not even on our our problems, our our storms that, that arise, God, but our eyes would be fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, we love you. Help us love you more. Help us follow you, Father, wholeheartedly. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.